Good morning and welcome to another edition of the A-Team podcast. Uh, today, my special guest is going to be Mr. Chris Bertacini, a colleague of mine for mm, 20 some odd years at, at this stage of the game and uh, super lucky to have him on board with the practice at Davis Physical Therapy and Sports Rehab. Uh, welcome, Mr. Chris. Uh, thank you, Andrea. Uh, it's been a fun 25, 26 years. Uh, <laughs> thank you for letting me tag along all these different places we work together. Finally <laughs> found home, so I appreciate that. Oh my God, I'm so happy. It only took me forever to get you here. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> pulling teeth. So <laughs> I would agree that. Um, so Chris, let's just get into it then. When, uh, you know, when did you decide you wanted to be a PT? Because uh, it wasn't the traditional, hey, I got hurt in high school. Let me check this out if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So I went to college uh, as my major was psychology. Realized that really wasn't the future that I wanted for grad school. I had a bio minor. I had injured my back a little bit through college that took away my first career choice. Uh, and I went to some therapy. Then I uh, was an aide at a outpatient office similar to Davis PTSR. Um, got some experience, took one or two classes and, and enjoyed being an aide, enjoyed the environment and decided that was kind of the avenue I wanted to um, proceed with and wound up at Hahnemann University, uh, which is now run by Drexel. And there's a whole bunch of name changes involved there, but I <laughs> uh, went to grad school in Philly for two years and wound up a physical therapist. So did you do a traditional, you didn't do a traditional, right? You did a four, two? Yeah, I did what four undergrad four and then grad school at a different university I had to apply to. Okay. And um, did you have like, because you did a kind of like a major change, I guess, like uh, your academic major change, did you have to like do any prereqs or like retake anything for PT school? No, having luckily because I had the bio minor, I had most of the prerequisites other than it was physics one and two. So that year I had off in between college and grad school, I took physics one and two, and that was the only prereqs that I didn't already have. You're, you're a smart guy. <laughs> it's, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, right, we're both kind of old. We've been uh, out 20, 20 some odd years, but if I'm not mistaken, it's like seven or eight now for PT school. I'm, yeah, I'm fairly I, certain. I believe it's like seven now. I mean, I did five. I mean, I <clears throat> tracked the, the five, five-year masters. And um, so when you finished undergrad, what was your degree in undergrad? Psychology, BA in psychology. And then uh, what is your degree in PT? Uh, masters in physical therapy. Okay. Because I had a master's of science in physical therapy. So our degree is similar, but different at the same time. So it's where those yes. initials get a little, little funky. <laughs> yeah, so I'm MPT and I believe you were MSPT until you went back and got your doctorate. I did. And I'll drag you along one day too. Oh, <laughs> right back at you, buddy, because it just leads into the next one. So um, you have some special certifications along with your PT degree um you know associated with with spine which is you know what we're generally going to talk about today but um can you talk a little bit about your career path and, and how you ended up going towards uh spine i guess for the sure. most part so um as i said previously my first career choice kind of got sidelined when i injured my back and this 
had that progression of back issues over the years. Um, I had a back surgery at 30 and I had one at 40. Um, and so old. <laughs> along those lines, I got interested in, in spinal disorders because one, I was dealing with it and two, a lot of our clients and patients deal with it over the years. Neck and back problems seem to be one of the most common referrals to physical therapy and probably about a third of the medical bills throughout healthcare as a whole each year. Um, so I, I got interested in it from a personal and then how to help my patients because I've seen so many of them with neck and back issues. So I went and took the courses that are under the McKenzie Institute. Uh, so I wound up becoming McKenzie certified. Um, basically, it was four four day classes and a test. Funny, funny. No, uh, it's true. That's rough. So it, it the McKenzie method sometimes gets a little misconstrued. Uh, often people think it's purely extension and press ups. But what it really is, if you take the course, it's, it's a way to mechanically evaluate the spines, figure out what you're seeing, and then come up with a mechanical diagnosis and then a treatment approach. Um, a lot of times it is extension bias, but it's not always. Sometimes we do flexion. Sometimes we do rotation. Uh, there are other components of it, but it's really patient-driven. You see what their motion is uh, eliciting their back pain or, or taking away their back pain and analyzing what you see and coming up with a treatment plan to basically help that specific person. Uh, it can be applied to anybody um, and it works for both the neck and the back and the thoracic spine to some extent. Um, and it, it's, it's just a nice way of thinking about it, taking everything you're seeing and, and coming up with a plan and not getting overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we probably took the first one. So Mackenzie goes uh, A, B, C, D. Correct. Correct. The, the courses. Correct. And each uh, each letter builds <clears throat> off the, the one before for correct. the most part. Um, and then once you complete all four of those, you can sit and take your exam, right, for your certification. Yes. Yes. So I, I think that you and I took A together like probably forever ago. If I'm, a few I'm years. not mistaken, few years. I had a few <laughs> um, more hairs at that time. So has, has anything changed since, uh, like for you anyway, uh, I'm sure, you know, like anything else practice makes perfect. And, um, has anything changed since, uh, you know, 18 years ago, your approach 18 years ago to your approach now, um, you know, utilizing within that method, like utilizing it. Yeah. So I think over time and treating you gain experience, obviously. So, I still rely on McKenzie a lot, but I would not say I am strictly McKenzie. I try and take um, concepts I've learned from other courses and things that have worked for me in a clinic and incorporate it all into uh, my treatment approach for when I uh, look at a client and patient with back neck issues. Uh, so I'm still heavily McKenzie based, but I'm not opposed to utilizing mechanical traction at times. Uh, I am a big proponent of core stability. Uh, some of these concepts aren't, don't fall completely under the McKenzie realm if you're, say, a true disciple and diehard. Um, but I, I like picking other things out from some of the research uh, that's been done and incorporating that into my approach because I think it helps the patient when you can kind of um, have that multifaceted um, 
way of yeah. attacking your problem. Multi-dimensional, right? Like right. you kind of, um, where it's just not my way or the the highway, right. essentially. Um, I know for me, I mean, I've only done A, B, and C in, in my, you know, and it's been a few years. It's been a minute since uh, I took C. But um, the for me, it's always been the thought process, really. And, and because uh, most people coming in and, you know, correct me, you have more experience this this from myself but most people coming in or they're hurting and they they want something in that moment and sometimes it's a, a huge uh informational dump on that first evaluation where they, they want to tell you everything because a lot of times especially with you at this stage in your career they've probably been everywhere and seen multiple people and you know pain management doctor and spine specialist and chiropractor and massage therapist and all of these things but um to have Mackenzie's always been really good process to be able to kind of cut through a lot of that and pull the things that are most important to you to determine what can probably help them best. Would you agree that that has been your experience? No, absolutely. Because I'm a big believer in the subjective part of the evaluation. Because if you listen to the patient, they will generally tell you um, what hurts, what helps, and they don't understand what position their spine may be in, in the position that hurts or the one that helps. That's our job. But if you listen to them, it helps you figure out, all right, if sitting is the um, pain generator, okay, that's more of a flexion position. And if standing and walking tend to be more comfortable, that tends to be more of an extension position. So then it, it gets our wheels turning of going, okay, well, flexion hurts, extension helps. Uh, it helps us kind of process what's going on and then we kind of uh, either confirm or refute when we have them do some movement testing uh, to see if it kind of agrees with the hypothesis that we kind of formulate listening to your subjective. Yeah, I mean, I, I watch you work. I mean, that's why I love working with you. Su su super intelligent and very humble in the sense that you can take a very complicated case or seemingly very complicated case and boil it down to, you know, to the basics, which is essentially what you just said, right? Cut through everything. And okay, what makes you better? And what makes you worse? And how can we exploit what makes you better? And how can we lessen what makes you worse? Exactly. Um, and spine is like one of the most challenging, I think, um, especially in, in PT, I feel like it gets glossed over a lot as, okay, do these four exercises. Let me know how it goes. Oh, well, you're just going to have to live with, with back pain. Um, I mean, you've been around, you, you've, I'm sure you've heard that happens, Absolutely. right? I've been to PT other places. Nobody ever told me this. Right. <laughs> like, Absolutely. It's not that hard, but it kind of is that hard, I guess. Well, and I think a lot of times um, patients sometimes get to run around. Sometimes patients run into clinics where they don't get enough time to really spend. Um, there's a lot of factors that can go into, you know, a patient's outcome. But, you know, it's why I really enjoy where I am. I get the time. Um, I get the support. I have all the equipment, the technology that I get to employ. Because even sometimes I get stumped, but I can take a step back and, between some of our technology, look at it from a different perspective. Okay. You know, we have things like the AMI, the athletic movement index. So with some of our younger patients, if I'm hitting a roadblock, I can have, put them on that, get a score, look at some of their squats from a more mechanical perspective, see what their back's doing. Um, so, it, I mean, spine, I feel is one of the more difficult um, body parts to treat in therapy. 
but it's also rewarding because most people are going to have some kind of spine pain in their lives. So if you can help address it or help prevent it with uh, prophylactic education, uh, it will definitely, you know, they, they appreciate that, I feel. I mean, you you have such a following. It's it's insane, really. And uh, for for whatever reason, in the last uh, two months, especially, it's like I only want to see Chris. It's like amazing, good. Please, yes, go go see Mr. Bertasini. Um, because I mean, because of your approach, it's a whole. It's really. I mean, I hate to use the word holistic, but really, like you look at it as the whole person, and I think it helps immensely that you know you've been pretty banged up if I'm allowed to say as oh, far absolutely. as your um you know spine surgeries and in between I remember seeing you visiting you between those surgeries and how miserable you were it's just a horrible feeling when you can't move and you're afraid to move because you don't know where the pain's going to go and then you make that wrong move and oh my god my leg hurts when it's going to when is it going to stop hurting and and you've literally been been there done that yeah. unfortunately I, I think it does allow me to have some empathy with patients and I usually do tell them that I've had surgery and I always make it clear that I'm the exception. The vast majority of spinal pain does not wind up in surgery. Most of it resolves in three to six months by conservative measures. But I, I kind of tell them that my history, because I can understand how frustrating it is. I do understand how when you have that constant leg pain, it does change your personality. It makes it hard to be happy. It's very easy to get frustrated, become a little short with people. A little cranky. Uh, and, and cranky, exactly. It's a great way of putting it. But it's it's not like a broken arm that people can often see in a sling or a leg brace. Uh, people don't see back pain. So a lot of times loved ones, family, friends, they hear that you're in pain, but they don't necessarily understand what it's like that it's that debilitating because you don't have a cast on or a brace or a sling to really make it that visible. Yeah, I mean, that's a really great way to put it. And I think that's something that um, you and I both, uh, it took, well, it took me, I can always speak for myself, really, but it took me a while to kind of really put that together in the PT world that, you know, people aren't generally disagreeable for no particular reason. Right. Um, there's usually something and when they're hurting, it's not always the most pleasant uh, to ask somebody to move, move around and whatnot. So um, I, I appreciate you uh <laughs> teaching me that along the way too with your your personal experiences um so you uh refer to conservative treatment you want to talk a little bit about uh because we get that a lot right like i don't want that you know my back hurts i don't want surgery and, and i don't know if it's the culture i don't know if dr google uh assists in in making this more the norm but um you know, we both know that surgery is not the first, especially spine surgery, or should not be the first uh, cause of, you know, treatment or exploration. So you want to talk a little bit about sure. what conservative treatment actually is? Yeah, so I mean, conservative treatment can start as easy as some Tylenol or Advil type medicines, you know, if you worked on the car and you're a little bit sore. It's when that pain starts to linger, uh, that patients can seek out a therapist, uh, luckily in New Jersey, we have direct access. So a lot of times, most times they don't need to go to a doctor first. Um, they can be evaluated. And a lot of it is positional education, often a little bit of exercise. And it's just about calming down at first, what is inflamed or irritated, but also teaching the patient what is aggravating it. I, I like to use the analogy of a bruise. Uh, if you keep poking the bruise, the bruise stays angry. But if you don't know what you're doing that's aggravating it, it, it's hard to stop. 
So that's why, you know, having an evaluation helps me figure out, okay, well, this is aggravating your back pain, even though you may not have realized it. So we're going to have you stop X and do Y. And a lot of times people feel better in a shorter amount of time because they just stop poking the bruise. Um, conservative care can also be going to your family doctor or specialist. They can prescribe uh, medications. There are also uh, pain management doctors that can step it up a little bit to injections. The vast majority of patients I've seen in 23 years do not wind up in surgery. Uh, obviously, there are a few. You know, I wound up twice, so it does not cure everybody. Um, <laughs> but I, I always tell patients it's very odd that a patient will wind up in surgery when they start in therapy and um, kind of go through the conservative gamut. It surgery is more the end all option, which is still um, the rarity, not not the norm. So I'm going to ask you a hot button question. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know you've dealt with this because I've dealt with it and, you know, in my subspecialty as well. What do you say to people that have been to physical therapy and have said that uh, I did PT, uh, PT didn't help me? Uh, what are you going to do that that's different from what I've already been through in PT? So how would you address I, I, I that? Or how do you address that? Yeah. yeah. So I deal with this a lot. And what I will usually do is say, well, one, I haven't met you. So let's talk about what's going on. Um, I do usually ask them kind of what they've done, just a general overview. So, you know, I know whether they've done one type of exercise, A or B. Um, or traction or, what, or something like that. Right, traction or flexion or extension and kind of get an idea of what they've done. But I, I'm very honest with patients. So what I will usually tell them is give me three or four weeks. You've been dealing with this for X amount of years. You've gone to therapy once or twice for two months, four months, six months. Give me three or four weeks. If after three or four weeks, you're feeling better, and by better, I don't mean five or 10%, I mean at least 40, 50, 60% better, we know we're on the right track, we keep going. If after you know three or four weeks, you're no better, well, then you and I are gonna have a talk and we're gonna figure out what the next step is. Whether it's you know an outside referral to another physician, whether it's back to the physician that referred you um, and with an updated note of, hey, we tried X, Y, and Z, it didn't work, maybe consider this. Maybe, you know, a recommendation that you may need some imaging or things like that. It, it, it goes by a case-by-case -case basis, but I do try and stress my patients, I will not waste your time. No one's ever going to see me for six months and not feel better. Like, to me, that's a failure on me and a waste of time. I do remind them, you may not Love be it. perfect in three or four weeks, you know, but as long as you have a, a significant improvement, we know we're on the right track. And we know we just need to keep going on that track to hopefully get as much improvement as possible. And I think honestly, Chris, right there wraps up how, like why you and I get along so well together. It's, uh, you know, not, not leaving people hanging out to dry, not, um, you know, uh, blowing smoke for lack of better terminology, not just looking at the script and be like, all right, I, I got you for six weeks, whatever we'll do, whatever, really take the time to figure out what's going on and, and where they've been, where they're coming from, where they want to get to and, and kind of put them on the right path, whether it's with you or, or someone else, you know, as far as uh, another medical professional. So absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's good talk, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I so, had a good um, interviewer. Oh, thank you. I try. I prepped for 23 years for this moment. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so how can people get a hold of you or reach out to you if they have questions or want to hear more about your, uh, your style of treatment? 
So I am lucky enough to work at Davis PTSR. So they can email <laughs> me at chris at davisptsr.com or they can always Google Davis PT and call the office number. And uh, one of our, our friendly receptionists will always just take their name and number and I'll get back to them as soon as possible. Thanks, man. That's an amazing plug. And uh, so happy we get to do this and uh, see each day. other almost almost every day. That's just true. about Well, today, this week, it'll be every day for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks. This is Chris Bertacini and I'm Andrea Davis. And we both work at Davis Physical Therapy and Sports Rehab. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.